This, Justin, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. The CNN Center right now is just beginning to work on this story, obviously calling our sources and trying to figure out exactly what happened, but clearly something relatively devastating happening this morning there. American 11, are you trying to call? The cockpit is not answering their phone. Our number one is in staff, and our five is in staff. Hey, can you look out your window right now? Yeah. Can you, can you see God about 4,000 feet, about five east of the airport right now? Looks like he's... Yeah, I see him. Do you see God? Look, is he descending for the building also? He's descending really quick, too, yeah. Well, that's... Like, 500 feet now. He just dropped 800 feet in like, a, like one, one sweep. That's, that's another situation. Who, what kind of airplane is that? Can you guys tell? I don't know. I'll read it out in a minute. Another one just hit the building. Wow. Wow. Another one just hit it hard. Another one just hit the worst All building just came apart. Holy smokes. Looks like six, seven floors were taken out. And there's more oh, explosions there's, oh, right now. Hold on. People are running. Wait, hold so hold on. on just a moment. We've got an explosion inside. The building's exploding right now. you got people running up the street. Okay. Hold on. I'll tell you what's going on. Okay. Just uh, put, put Winston on pause there for just a moment. Okay, while the he... whole building just exploded some more. The whole top part. Okay. The building's still intact. People are running up the streets. What are those things? You know, uh, MSNBC has just flashed on my screen. It looks like there is a, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We got, you... we got Warner on the phone who's, who's looking at it right now. Warner? Hi, man. What's the deal? Uh, I, something hit the World Trade Center. I think it was a plane. I heard it right over my head. Now, one of our producers said perhaps a second plane was involved. And let's not let's not even speculate to that point, but at least put it out there that perhaps that may have happened. Uh, well, the other the other tower, uh, the other tower just blew up. I mean, a, a, a huge hole just blew up in the other tower, the tower that the plane flew in. There's a, there's a huge hole in that. I just heard something on the television. I, you know, I was, I was looking. I was, say, I was saying, gosh, it, it looks like... I thought... Oh, this is terrible. I thought I saw people falling from the building. And I said, well, that, that can't be. It must be debris. But I think I just heard in the background on the... MSNBC, he, he did say there there were people. Jewel, this is Ryan. Uh, listen, on an airplane that's been hijacked, and things don't go well, I'm looking good. I just want you to know I absolutely love you. I want you to do good. So happy to find uh, things to my parents and everybody. And I just totally love you, and uh, I'll see you in Chester. The South Tower of the World Trade Center, unbelievably, has now collapsed. Hi, baby. I'm... They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready? I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him and he said, okay, let's roll.
Well, it's... I don't really know how to start off. It's 20 years since 9-11 happened. It's hard to believe. First of all, it's hard to believe it's been that long. And I'm sitting here this evening with uh, my father-in-law, Jeff, and my brother, John. <clears throat> and we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it and what we remember. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, how it impacted us, because it impacted everybody um, in a very bad way. But first of all, I, I just can't believe that's been 20 years ago. I mean, I remember that very, very clearly. Mm. You know, I was in first grade. Mom was homeschooling us. And I remember Pap called Mom and he said, uh, I remember when Mom got off the phone, I remember her hollering for Dad. His dad was outside. And I overheard them saying something like, uh, you know, the country was under attack. And at that time... You know, I was a little kid, and I remember asking them, I was like, so what's going on? And they said, well, these guys flew these planes into this building. And when you're a kid, you don't understand how combustible jet fuel is. And I'm like, yeah, I always thought to blow something up, there had to be a bomb. And I said, well, what what'd they do? I mean, did, did they drop bombs on it? What did they do? Because even then, it didn't set, set clear with me that people would commit suicide to do something like that neither. Hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. so I remember that. And uh, that's actually when I started following politics because I started listening to the radio and I would have been, I think, nine years old, eight years old at that time. I remember just sitting and listening to the radio sometimes for hours, listening to the coverage of it. And, you know, and it just kind of it stuck with me ever since, ever since. Now, I was right at um, almost ready to turn six, but I don't remember the day. I don't remember, you know, things happening. The only thing I remember about it is Dad had stacks and stacks of newspapers mm -hmm. that he had just collected for months after the attack during the cleanup and all that stuff. That, but as far as remembering it actually happening, I I don't remember. And I, I should at that age, but I don't. You know, and there's a, there's a specific radio clip that I can still remember from a, as a kid because whatever news station I was listening to, they would play this clip over and over again. I just remember this guy screaming. I don't know if he was a, a radio correspondent or what that had been live on the scene, but I just remember him screaming, oh my God, the second tower just fell. Exactly. Or something like that. You know, just total panic. And that's that stuck with me. This I can still hear that guy's voice. But uh, Dad, what about you? Where was... Uh, it was on the western coast. I don't exactly know the hour. I know there's a time difference. Mm -hmm. uh, my pastor called me and uh, actually got me out of bed at the time. So it probably was, whatever the time frame, might have been three-hour difference from 8.46 east, nor eastern, north. If you were on the west coast, that's, so the west coast be, that's four hours, I think, four right? Hour so it would have been pretty so early. So back then. up 6.30 or yeah. so. Anyway, whatever it was, uh, could have been 5.30. But he said, he said uh, hey, Jeffrey, the, we've just been attacked. And I, and I was droggy in my sleep. He said, well, I said, what? He said the, the Trade Center had been you know, has been attacked. There had been two aircraft, and another aircraft, of course, had gone down into the into the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was just kind of overwhelmed with just that information, trying to trying to get my head around what had just taken place, knowing that this was going to change the world. Yeah, it's a World Trade Center. Yep, and people from from coast to coast around the world were just 
you know, brought to their knees on on this diabolical terrorist endeavor. Mm -hmm. You had to think about, you know, the agenda behind that enemy attack and uh, reading scripture and, of course, weaving some things into that. And But even, even just seeing uh, this, in my opinion, a satanic attack was oh, yeah. so devastating that the, the, the church was even uncertain as to what was going to take next. I mean, it was mm -hmm. almost like, well, the rapture's next. We're gonna, you know, what's ever going to happen? Yeah, people we, were terrified. We were shocked. Yep. And pastor, he just kind of like, well, what do we do now? And of course, one man said, let the church be the church. And then just started to reach out. So there was, you know, prayer vigilantes going up almost, mm -hmm. you know, whether they were set up on the sidewalk, that came later. But it was just unmoving. I don't know how to, I can't, I'd listen to it and listen to it and listen to it and even saw some clips on what was going on, mm -hmm. but never really did it resonate just the impact of what was happening. Yeah. And still, I've never forgotten it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think any of us ever will. You know, that was a, as a moment like no other. I mean, of course, the generation, a couple generations before us, you know, they had Pearl Harbor. Hmm. I think that was our Pearl Harbor moment was 9-11, was you know. Hmm. It's still to this day, and you know, I didn't have any, I didn't have anybody that I knew or that I was related to that that passed away during all that. But still, yet, just the impact it had on us as a culture and as a nation. There's times I'll hear, because usually around this time, uh, all the TV stations and and a lot of the talk shows I listen to, they do special, their whole programs basically dedicated to 9/11. And to hear those clips and see that footage and stuff, to this day, 20 years later, I still get misty-eyed during it. And like I said, sure. I had nobody with deep connections. You know, I didn't have any personal connection they, there. But they were your people. Yeah, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. that, that was still our people that was that, that was happening to. Yeah, it was your fellow countrymen. Yeah, yes it was. And that, it cuts deep. I think in the, in the line, mindset, too, of just, you know, in humanity, it, it was a drawing... Uh, uh, time of of unifying our efforts to try to be a one, just in the name of humanity. Yeah, people really reached out. Um, it, it, could we go deeper with that? I think that you know we could, and I wish it would have been even a longer lasting or uh, mm -hmm. unifying draw. Yep. But it awakened people. I mean, you know, death is imminent, and. Uh, and it's going to be honest, but when it comes that close, yeah. And people, you know, I knew knew people in churches in that area that were, had had actually people that were in the tower come down and even testifying today. Um, I'm not at a place to give names, but right. to this day, they they look at that place as as just a sacred ground mm -hmm. for the loss of so many lives. Oh yeah, and they are. I was in the area close near at one time, several years following the episode, should have taken the time to have gotten closer to z ground zero when some people were actually a little bit withdrawn. They were they had already been there. They were like, we don't even want to go back to remember because it's, so, it. it's so embellished. On, I mean, it's so indelible on their minds that, that it 
it breaks their heart. Yeah. And today it's still there. John, you remember uh, Dad was talking about the the spirit of community that mm-hmm. came out of that. Do you remember when we were riding the church van? Yes, I do. And we just going all through Clarksburg because. And uh, this was just in Clarksburg too. Just in Clarksburg, mm-hmm. and we started counting American flags. And how many did we see just in? Clarksburg? I honestly don't remember the numbers. Hundreds. Yeah. Hmm. Hundreds of flags. Just Matter in that fact, one little I section. That, I had that written down here because... Um, You're getting a call. <clears throat> I've been, that call, number's been calling me all day. Uh, I actually had it written down here because I had seen this um, a couple years back. A guy had written an entire article on Facebook about how he wanted the 912 America back. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He said that you couldn't find an American flag for sale anywhere. They were just sold out everywhere. Um the amount of support that come out for first responders and the military was just, uh, you know, phenomenal. And uh, they, I mean, it, it was an excellent article. I don't remember hmm. the guy that wrote it, but just going on and on about the amount of patriotism. Oh yeah. That that emerged from that, and um, I, I do remember seeing all the flags and stuff afterwards. I, I mean, it just it, it was. Uh, it was something else. It, it was something to see, that's for sure. I remember also sometime after that, because it wasn't too long after 9-11 that we invaded Iraq, and, and you know it was like a constant state of war then from basically from the time I was eight or nine years old until basically now. And I, I remember as a kid asking my mom, this is several, you know, several months, maybe even a year or more after 9-11, I remember asking her, I said, when... When's it going to go back to normal? And I remember she's like, it's, it's never going to go back to normal. It's not. Something like this. <clears throat> you don't go back to normal from that. No. I've got, a, I've got a clip. Maybe we'll just play a little bit of it here. So um, uh, before you play that, let me give just a little bit of backstory. So um, the first uh, radio transmission you'll hear was from Battalion Chief 1. Um, who was actually, he was at the, um, the corner of church and Lisbonard streets. I hope I pronounced that second street, right. Uh, and actually witnessed the first tower or I'm, I'm sorry, the first plane strike the tower. And, um, so was he just there like on happenstance or? Yes. Yeah. It, there was really no rhyme or reason. It was just, he was just he, there. It was just where he was at. Um, and he saw the first plane strike the tower and he immediately called in the alarm. Hmm. And this is who we're about to hear. Yeah. The, the, the first radio transmission will be from that battalion. And what team. was, what was his name? Uh, I don't have it in the, um, looks like I do have, so chief Pfeiffer. Does that sound right? Okay. Uh, battalion one. I'm reading this off New York And this is the entire transcript of the fire operations response for nine 11. And it didn't include any names. Okay. So we'll play this here. This was the, uh, first transmission mm-hmm. uh, on the on the radio after it happened. Of course, first plane struck at eight forty six a.m. and then uh, this hit the airwaves. Italian one. We just had a, a plane crash into level four of the World Trade Center. Transmit a second alarm and start relocating companies into the area. Ten forty 
So was that was that the first one, or because I know he's so he raised that to a. To the, immediately he called it uh, a second alarm, which um, and you heard him talking about um, the box, and in uh, large scale uh, areas uh, they have what they call box alarms, and they have almost a grid pattern that is set up in um, in a certain area and they have box numbers for each one of these uh, squares in this grid and in each box there are certain units assigned to respond to that box alarm so if it's uh, you know a structure fire or a car wreck or uh, you know whatever type of incident comes out um, when they transmit the box alarm, the first alarm companies are preset to respond. And then with each alarm that you move up, if you go to second alarm, that will increase. And depending on the agencies, uh, some with a second alarm, they'll have more ladder companies come in. Some may have extra rescue companies at all. It's, it's personal preference based on those agencies. Hmm. But as you, like a second alarm will bring in more, Units and then mm-hmm. uh, they actually went all the way up to fifth alarm, which, wow. uh, unless I am mistaken, was the highest alarm they had at that time. Um, so immediately, battalion chief one called a second alarm because just you know seeing a plane strike the oh, tower yeah. where he knew there was thousands working, he immediately called a second alarm because he knew right off the bat how bad it was going, how yeah. bad it was going to be and. Mm. I don't know, uh, we might be able to hear it in this clip, but while he is responding to the World Trade Center, before he even arrives on scene, he transmits a third alarm before he even arrives on scene. I've got a couple more uh, clips here, and and I've not listened to these yet, but from the notes I have here, uh, this is a Battalion 1 Chief notifies dispatch that the plane appeared to be aiming for the tower. Battalion 1 to Manhattan. We have a number of floors on fire. It looked like the plane was aiming towards the building. Transmit a third along. We'll have the staging area at Vesey and West Street. Have the third alarm assignment go into that area. Second alarm assignment report to the building, okay? All right, 10-4. Second alarm assignment. Report to the World Trade Center. Second alarm assignment. Report to one World Trade Center. This next one looks like it's uh, uh, Squad 18 is uh, requesting to alert that possible terrorism event. Squad 
The next one that we'll play is uh, Dispatch is being notified that people are starting to jump from World Trade Center. Unbelievable. Uh, Division 1, be advised, uh, Battalion 2, advise you have jumpers from the World Trade Center, okay? Division 1 in Manhattan, did they already... Division 1 in Manhattan, okay? That's jumpers, did they already jump? Battalion 2, has those jumpers jumped, okay? Battalion 2, do you have jumpers down? Okay? Division 1, Battalion 2, is advising jumpers down, okay? So even now, you know, when, when you guys hear that, I know for me when I hear that, it, it still goes through me like a knife, mm. you know. Because <clears throat> I, I personally have never listened to this. Uh, I've never listened to this full. Yeah, this is the first time I've listened to uh, this as well. And basically this is unedited because, um, like I said, um, from reading off of that transcript, <clears throat> the battalion one immediately called in the alarm, and within four minutes, the first alarm companies were on scene. So, this is you know basically real time of you know mm-hmm. I mean this radio communication just I mean these guys were were dedicated you know and I, oh yeah and I made the the comment there earlier that. Um, you know, unfortunately, it couldn't have happened in a in you know a more prepared city. Yeah, and I mean it, it, that sounds bad, but you know they they had the best you know up there, and a lot of the best gave their lives. They had their stuff together, <clears throat> and yep. I mean, and for them, you know, to recognize before they's even on scene that this was a terrorist act. Yeah, I mean to recognize that immediately, you know, I mean th- they were these guys were they were thinking right. Oh yeah, this was another Pearl Harbor. This yep. this was something that this was twenty years ago. I wonder how many youth today in America, you know, how much is this is going to resonate on there? You know, they if they're schooled and they do homework and it, and it's handed down, they'll never forget it. They'll see it as it is and remember it. I didn't live in the Pearl Harbor era. I don't know, but I do recall the impact that it had on my parents. Oh, yeah. And it just yep. kind of was handed down to my generation as to, you know, the life-changing effect. Oh, yeah. And this yep. this was a called-out assault on our homeland. Yes, it was. We are in war. And the powers to be at the time, of course, President... Bush acknowledged that and said, this is going to change the rest of the world. This Mm -hmm. act is going to be an act of war on terror. Granted, it's not going to be snuffed out. We cannot, you know, you cannot totally uh, uh, eradicate evil in the world unless you, of course, have, you know, God doing the work. But we as men, we do all that we can. Right. And I stood behind Bush when he made this mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to bring America to the to to the, uh, uh, the 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 making of you know we're going to do this or die. Yeah. And they were willing to take it to that 
full, you know, that full event. I, I don't know. I, when I saw it, you know, I, I'd just gotten back into the country myself, uh, had been out of the country for a number of years, coming back into the country. Um, and when you, when you see something of this scale, it's just it's a it's a bolt of of reality. It, this is not fiction. This is yep. not not made up. This is attack on our own flesh and yep. blood on our own land. I don't know. I have two boys now that are you know, or one now, but both of them were in in the navy, and now one still in, the other still out. But he's these boys are patriotic. Oh yeah. And my hats off to these men that yes, are willing well, to. You know, hitting on that too. Right after this happened, the um, the recruiting centers were just flooded. Oh my! Were absolutely flooded uh, with men. Well, boys, even you know, I mean, at eighteen, you're still yep. a boy. You know, yep. That were willing to lay down their life to retaliate, you know, and not just let it go unpunished. Hello. Hey, Miranda. Yeah, is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're on with, uh, I've got John and my father-in-law, Jeff. Well, I'm glad to be here. Having, uh, where was you when it all went down? Well, I was actually a freshman at Glenville State College, telling my age a little bit. Um, <laughs> freshman year, first semester, scared kid out in the what i would call big city mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to where i grew up oh yeah and uh i came into the the dining hall there for breakfast and everybody was running around and squalling and people were crying and i said what's going on and some kid runs past me and says we're at war it's hmm. like what's going on and they told me that the planes had hit the tower and mm-hmm. uh it was just pandemonium they were saying gas was going to go up to five or six dollars a gallon and yep uh, you know, didn't know where that was going to attack next. And it just scared me to death. I run to the pay phone because, you know, back then only the rich kids had the cellular phone. Of course. <laughs> yep. Called mom and dad and was crying and begging for them to take me home. Come get me. Take me home. I would have got home. Hmm. I didn't want to be stuck in Glenville when the world was coming to an end. But yeah. I tell you what, those several boys that I went to college with enlisted right after that and I, I don't really know what happened to them i mean i never heard anything else about them weren't good friends but acquaintances and i tell you it um it was a really eye-opening event for sure yes it was and, and we were just talking about that whole the spike in enlistment and uh, the patriotism that was everywhere mm-hmm. you know it was uh the country really came together you got this sense of, I think we all realized that we were part of something bigger that mm-hmm. ma- maybe we didn't realize that before, you know, somebody basically punched us in the mouth, you know, but right. then it, it kind of brought all this out in us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, uh, I hated that that happened. You know, I, you know, I grieve for still to this day for the people that lost loved ones, mm-hmm. went through that tragedy, but I miss the America of 2001 9-11 really do because i mean nowadays you're if you're a patriot you're a minority 
Yes. And it's a scary world to be in right now. You are absolutely correct. Now, what effect do you see any kind of effect that this had on you and your, you know, in your career path and just your life in general, you know, and maybe your political leanings or how you, you know, your sense of patriotism Did it, do you still see ramifications of it? Well, I think it definitely strengthened my sense of patriotism, but as far as career paths, no, it didn't affect me there. Uh, I, uh, I actually didn't get into EMS till I was older, okay. probably in my late twenties. Uh, I actually was in college for force technology and graduated that and realized I hated it. <laughs> so I just did little odd jobs until I, uh, got a job surveying at a coal mine. And then that lasted about a year, thanks to Obama. <laughs> and I got laid off and started uh, EMT class the very next night and haven't uh -huh. looked back. And that's been over 10 years ago. That's very good. Very good. Yep. Now, we were just talking about how, like me personally, I didn't have any acquaintances that were in the towers. I had no direct personal connection to it. But it did something to me that to this day, and like I said, I didn't know anybody that was in there, but to this day when I see the news coverage and see all the old reports and, and hear all the old, we were just going through some of the, the dispatch audio from, uh, mm. from New York, it still goes through me like, like a hot knife. Yeah. And to be doing what I do now, and to, to think about putting myself in the position that those first responders were in, just, I mean, it gives me chill bumps. Mm -hmm. Just to think of what would be going through my mind if I was dispatched to something like that around here, even. Well, we was, <clears throat> we was just listening to, uh, you know, these dispatches, and um, Battalion Chief One, who, you know, to be in that position, has had quite a few years of experience, and he was breathing like he had just run a mile. Mm -hmm. He was breathing so hard, just driving to the scene. Uh, you know, I mean, you could tell he was he was scared to death, but he was still in that mode. Mm. You know, he was still in that, that firefighter mode, and he was, you know, taking command. He knew, you know, immediately transmitted the second alarm, and two minutes later transmitted a third alarm. You know, he was he was he was on on the stick and I, I couldn't, you know, we, we had a, that fire, that big church fire where we where five firemen come within less than a second of getting killed when the roof collapsed. Wow. And just the amount of chaos that was on that scene. Right. Mm. I couldn't imagine, you know, just, of course you didn't have to turn a corner to see what was going on because the buildings were so high and the column of smoke, but you know, just getting your first look at the towers and seeing what you have. I, yeah. I could not imagine. I could not imagine what those guys felt. You know, this event was so gut wrenching. I, I, you know, to see the towers come down, to see the impact of the aircraft making its impact, but the thing to see people literally evacuating the building hand in hand, jumping mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. was something so in in you know impacted my thinking. I never. I'll never forget it. And I, uh, you know, going from place to place in the work that I was doing and going state to state in airports, there were banners across the security 
you know, 35, 40 feet long and three feet wide and, and uh, in large black letters. And the impact of people uh, or uh, the message across that was don't even joke about it. And that was right. all that was said. Yeah. People had taken it so serious. And there were some that, you know, well, you know, I'm a shoe bomber or whatever the case might be. Or right. I got, you know, uh, whatever the case. And, and But they took this to heart. This was something that was never to be joked on. and something never to be taken lightly. And, and to see those people literally jumping to their death, knowing mm-hmm. how do we go out of this exactly world? Right. Do we burn up in this incinerator? Do we pray for a miracle on our way down that somehow God's going to send angels to dr- yeah. draw us out of this mess? I mean, what mm. what goes on in the mind of those kind of people made an impression on me. Well, I tell you, hearing that, I believe I believe it was uh, Battalion Chief Four hearing him calling and like you know in that panic, saying that he had jumpers down. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. I mean, just the sound of them mm. at the floor level where they had set up command and they caught, you know, it was video footage, but you could hear just this random breaking through the sound. Yep. And they didn't know for the longest time, but that was actually jumpers hitting the ground. Oh, boy. I'm, I I watched that, that video as well. And, you know, now that I think about it, it probably was Battalion Chief 1 that I seen in this video because he had uh, the scene command set up in the lobby mm-hmm. at the first tire that was struck. And they was, you know, just videoing him trying to get this stuff going and him and, you know, a bunch of other battalion chiefs are trying to get this, you know, scene command set up and just, you know, trying to figure out what to do next. And it, mm-hmm. it honestly would sound like a 12 gauge shotgun. There was actually agencies from, all over the country that that went there afterward to help and my paramedic instructor paula johnson she actually went to the tower sites after it and she still to this day has health problems from it just from breathing in you know all the nasty stuff that was floating in the air and and Hmm. just i mean not only psychological Hmm. effects of that that still last to this day but even the physical effects yeah these long lasting the things, survivors mm-hmm. and the first responders and uh miranda you were talking about you know how it really kind of stoked your patriotism what do you think now in hindsight looking back at the 20-year mark do you think we still have a proper grasp of what it was uh, do people remember it enough? Do we put enough enough emphasis on it? Uh, no, or- I don't. I don't think people are remembering it enough. There, mm-hmm. there are a few that that still give it the the respect and the remember it the way that it should be. But the, most people these days, they just it's just something that they may have talked about in class or seen a clip of it on the internet, and right. it didn't really affect them in any way. And if something, God forbid, anything like that would happen today, I just don't know what kind of a response we would get. Really? I would like to think that it would unite the country again like it did. But I hate for anything like that to have to happen to do that. Right. You know, I <clears throat> even the unity was so short-lived, you know, I mean, it did. It drew yes, us. It it, we were there. I mean, 
and well, the, the prayer vigils, the people that were, the churches that were trying to make some kind of humanitarian effort to, to help accommodate, you know, any kind of physical, emotional, or any need that they could possibly do was, was overwhelming. But it was, it was just short-lived. Mm-hmm. It didn't, and life goes on, and people have, try to find some kind of normalcy. Just the humanitarian respect of just individual Americans that to me was what uh, we as Americans are made of. Mm-hmm. We didn't care, you know, color, race, creed, whatever the case, right. you know, religion, whatever the case. I mean, like we are together in this thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's don't let this thing, you know, dictate our or misdirect our focus as to as to one another. Now, granted, we, you know, Americans are. I mean, why is everybody wanting to come over here so that they could feel what we feel as being true to America? What do we have? Yep. But, they, but the impact, are we willing to lay our life on the line as these firemen, these these people? Oh, it just wants me to, I cry. I think they laid, they gave all. Mm-hmm. Some gave, you know, many gave some, but there were, there were some gave it all. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll never, well, it'll never change. You know, speaking to the, the courage and to the uh, thought for others that these firemen had. Um, the first man that was confirmed to have died at 9-11 was the chaplain hmm. for the um, FDNY. And um, his his name slips my mind, but some of the guys uh, had, you know, done interviews afterwards and they said they would see him off kind of pacing, looking up at the structure, holding his helmet over his heart. Hmm. And they said that he always did that when he was praying. And he said they knew he was praying and nobody was disturbing him. He was just, you know, pacing, looking at the towers, just, you know, just pouring his heart out, praying hmm. for people. Hmm. And right as uh, Tower 2 started to come down, he was in the lobby with uh there was around 30 other firefighters with him when the tower started to collapse everybody including him began running up the stairs think of that and they Hmm. didn't make it past the first flight of steps when the tower completely collapsed and he was killed instantly but none of those almost 30 firemen with him were even injured wow uh, he was he was killed, but everybody else walked out of that structure. Something. Mm. Wow. And they were on, you know, the first floor of that tower when it come down. Miranda, I uh, don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I thank you for joining us on this here today. Is there anything you wanna uh, you wanna leave us with? No, I just appreciate y'all including me on this. I, sure. It's been an honor. And I, I hope I added a little bit more to your segment. Um, Absolutely. I hate to just dwell on all the negativity that surrounded 9-11. I know it was a horrendous act of terrorism to our country. But think about at least the short-lived patriotism and love of the country that it did provide. Mm-hmm. And it just showed us the best of what mankind had to offer. Amen. And I just hope that... 
it doesn't take another horrendous act of terrorism to bring that back out in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all need to think about what we truly believe in and just keep keep the country and the government in prayer. Good, absolutely. Because I really think mm-hmm. that's all that's what it's going to take to turn it around. These numbers may not be exactly accurate, um, but I went through and I broke down um, all the <clears throat> the casualties um, from the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and on the aircraft. Um, so at the World Trade Center, uh, Fire Department of New York lost 343 firefighters. The New York Police Department lost 23 officers. The Port Authority uh, Police lost 37 officers. There were eight EMTs and paramedics from private EMS agencies that were killed. Hmm. There was one New York uh, Fire Department fire marshal that was killed. One member from the New York Fire Patrol, one member from the FBI, one Secret Service agent, and uh, the Secret Service bomb dog uh, named Sirius was also killed uh, during the initial strike. (laughs) In the North Tower alone, there was 1,402 civilians that were confirmed killed. In the South Tower, there were 614 civilians that were confirmed killed, Hmm. with 24 remains uh, still missing. The World Trade Center Hotel, uh, they cannot estimate the number of casualties sustained due to the amount of uh, people that um, uh, that were sheltering in place at the hotel. Uh, it's estimated around 200 civilians jumped from the towers. Mm. Uh, that includes both the North and the South Tower. Mm. At the Pentagon, there were 70 civilians that perished. There were 69 members of the U.S. Army that were killed, nine military contractors, and 39 uh, enlisted men from the Navy. And then American Airlines Flight 11 uh, that struck the North Tower. There were 83 civilians killed and 11 crew members that were killed. United Airlines Flight 175 that struck the South Tower. 55 civilians and nine crew members were killed. Hmm. American Airlines Flight 77 struck the Pentagon, 59 civilians and six crew members were killed. United Airlines Flight 93 that crashed in Somerset County, Pennsylvania, 40 civilians and seven crew members were killed. The total number of deaths uh, at the World Trade Center uh, is a little bit more than 2,655. There was 187 lost at the Pentagon, and on the aircraft alone, there were 250. So at the best of my uh, 
numbers that I've got here, a total of 3,073 American lives were lost. Hmm. And I did not include in any of those numbers the 19 terrorists that uh, committed these acts because I did not want to include them Hmm. with our fellow Americans. That's right. Very good. May we never forget, and uh, may we never forget who did it. That's right. Absolutely right. You know, like any major disaster or catastrophe, you know, we are prone to try to put things under the rug, wash them from our memory. But the healing is remembering. And as much as it hurts, you'll get through it. And it could be the loss of an individual or a financial crisis or a, a cancer that could destroy you know your your comfort and your stability and where you were trying to head and all of a sudden it's it's gone and you think of a flash flood you think of an earthquake you think of hurricanes i mean things you know whatever the case might be and we hear stories of people literally losing everything but their way of surviving is though they'll get through it they will never forget it and that seemed to structure in the right sense now granted there's always exceptions but it, it, I believe it's just to be part of the fabric to help make you a better individual making causing us to not forget we will not forget and it hurts it really does because you can personalize it with anything you have in your life your tower in life in general, lots of things are going to come down. Our hope and our fixed, you know, uh, uh, anchor seemingly to our soul is like, well, here is a world trade center. This isn't just America. This is world uh, involved individuals on our homeland. Lives were changed. And it's, we almost want to say in to just preserve any kind of sanity well let's just forget it forget it forget it but really the healing process is to remember it and to structure your priorities and realize what makes a difference in our in our personal life in our family living in our spiritual being where are we headed what are we going to do with this how is it going to make me a better individual and i think that you know in, in a lot of people's mind it's you know, they, they think the destruction is something that's just going to destroy us altogether. I don't believe that that's really what I believe is God's intention. Uh, some things do need to be erased. I don't want to. I lost family members dear to me, and, and you have too but to almost resonate some kind of wind in our sail to say we're going to we're going to put our boots on and we're going to you know crying and and painfully battle against this evil that we didn't even expect or see coming and it's like how dare you attack me on my homeland i mean I don't know. I, I, and individuals have to find that something within themselves. That's something that, that, that will foster courage enough to say, I remember what was taking place. And this is not going to make me bitter. This is going to make me a better individual. Mm-hmm.